Thrive Leadership Podcast in three, two, cue music. This is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. It's a place to connect you to nationally acclaimed leaders, their insights, and ideas on how to help you thrive in every area of your life. On today's episode, Lee Fields. So millennials, they should double down on the vulnerability thing, like discovering who you are in the identity stuff. Like now I'm married, I've got kids, and I'm going, why didn't I do this five or six years ago? I wish I was able to talk about like clarity way sooner because that would have helped me that much quicker. Now your hosts, Brad Lominick and CJ Alvarado. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast. Nice. I'm Brad Lominick. Thank you very much, CJ Alvarado. And I'm CJ. To my left, but sitting in the right chair. And ding, ding, ding. Lee Fields, ladies and gentlemen. What's up? Go oh, Clabber's yeah, here. He's, gotcha. he's here. Yeah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> We're going to mix it up a little bit on this episode. Yeah. So far, if you've been subscribing to the Thrive Leadership Podcast, mm-hmm. if you've been a listener since the very beginning, Lord bless you, first yes. of all. Lord bless you. Really? May his face shine upon you. Yes. Shekinah glory. Yeah. Because you've been with us since the beginning. <laughs> since there was one. Yeah, since, since, there, was, there, was since one. there was none, actually. Man. Yes. Uh, episode zero. Mm-hmm. All right. But so far, we've brought in lots of talks, interviews right. from past Thrive events. And on this episode, we want to touch down a little bit and actually have a conversation around a topic that is probably keeping you up at night as a leader in some form or fashion, whether you are on the cutting edge of this issue or you're struggling with it or you're trying to figure it out. Many of us are older and we're trying to understand the next generation. Many of you who are younger, you're trying to understand the older generation. A lot of generational issues going on today. So we thought we'd have a conversation around this whole topic of how to lead the next generation. And specifically as it relates to millennials, Mm -hmm. as it relates to 20-somethings, 30-somethings. So whether you're 22, 32, 42, 82, 102, you're going to get something out of this episode and out of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be the roundtable here of CJ, Lee, and myself. So either one of you guys set up some context for this. Uh, I know you, CJ, you actually did a session or led a session, facilitated a conversation at a recent Thrive event around this whole topic on leading millennials. So I'll let you jump in. Well, I think it's important to maybe just establish what a millennial is. Like, what is that age group? I actually had a few hands go up that were like, well, what is a millennial? So I was like, okay, let's start there. So, I mean, most sociologists say from the years 1977 to 1995-ish, somewhere in there. So that would make you, what, 18 to 35-ish, somewhere in there, give or take a year or two. That is what sociologists categorize as a millennial. And so what's interesting, though, to me is that, well, first, there's a whole lot of them. So if you think about... The boomers, which, you know, 70 million or something like that, there's 73 million millennials walking around. And then the generation right after them, Gen Z, there's another 73 million. Wow. So if you take those two generations, which are very young, our emerging leaders, that's more than 50-something percent of our population. And Gen wow. Z is just now entering into college age, yeah. Yeah, potentially into the workforce, you could say. Exactly. And then set context then for X and boomers, right? because those are still in play. Yeah. I'm an Xer. Yep. Uh, I'm not, you know, we don't have any boomers on, on here. 
but you know, boomers are what? Is it 59? Yeah. I think that's the number. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. And there's about, like I said, 70 plus million of them. There's about 60 million plus of Gen Xers. I mean, and that would be folks who are 40 or 35. 35. Yes. To 50, give yes. or take, yes, currently. Like that. Yeah. And then 50 to 65 would be those who are boomers. Right. Or even up to 70. Yeah. Gotcha. And then beyond that, you've got the greatest generation. The great generation. Yeah. Which we still love them. Absolutely. Great but book. most of them are playing shuffleboard right now. Right. In Palm Springs. In Palm Springs. In Del Boca Vista. Yes. <laughs> yes. Along with the Costanzas. Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so we're not dealing with some small and significant number, right? We're dealing with a generation that's massive. They've got buying powers, trillions of dollars that, you know, are, are part of this millennial group. So I think they say the annual spending is like 2.4 trillion dollars. So this isn't chump change. It might be chump change for you, Brad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so big generation and uh they're very different, so we've got to we've got to talk about how we deal with them, how yeah. we manage them. Lee, what would you add to that? Cuz you, you are as a millennials. Yep. I am one. You is one. I think it's important like when you talk about the age of a millennial, to me it feels like society culture, especially church culture, millennials are being targeted or heavily filtered into like a 19 to 23 year olds, oh, 24 yeah. year olds right in there. Like those are the only millennials that exist when in reality 18 year olds are not millennials. They're right. Generation Z. So what we think as a millennial, and maybe that's the most annoying of millennials. I don't know. Maybe that's why we think that. <laughs> but that's actually on the tail end. Like, it's transitioning even again. Yeah. So most of the millennials are now getting into, like, middle management positions yeah. and starting to emerge as leaders currently, not the next generation of leaders. So I think that's a big misconception and something we need to be aware of. They are yeah. the current generation that's of leaders. That's exactly right, yeah. You've got roughly 50 million millennials that are between the ages of 27 and 37. Yeah. Those people are going to your church. They care about your kids' ministry. They've exactly. got kids. They're in their careers. Yeah. They're not the ones who've got man no. buns chilling in a cafe. We have to stop thinking, se. well, if we want to attract millennials, we need a cool coffee shop. No, if you want to attract millennials, you need great kids' ministry. Right. So talk about the way you, as, and, and we're going to use you as a case study, Great. but both you guys, because yeah. CJ, you're on, the, on the border. You're on the top side yes. of the millennial and on the and bottom Genesis. side of, a, of an Xer. Yep. Let's talk about leading you. You know, what are the things that out of your leaders you really need or want or desire? I mean, what we're saying in this, help the older leader understand how best to lead you. I think... Uh, a big thing for me at this season in my life, so I'm early 30s, married, elementary school kids, I need clarity. I need clarity around what's next, path, what am I going to be doing in five years? I feel like I spent my 20s kind of writing that for myself because you enter into a company or an organization at entry level, and when you get asked the question, what do you want to be doing in five years, it's pretty easy at that point if you're... Um, entrepreneurial, you can kind of write your own five years. But I think once I've gotten to where I'm at now at Bayside, a leadership level, now it's not so easy because now it's so dependent on the next level of leadership to really, it's more direct attention that I need to go. What does Lee need next to hit his next milestones in leadership, challenges, and things like that? So it's different where I feel like I kind of uh, been driving the boat myself the past 10 years. And now a bit like I'm in a different body of water completely and it's a new boat and I don't, I'm having trouble seeing where to go. So when you say clarity, yeah, clarity in what? I think everything organizationally, it's, it, it's interesting. Like 
I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing even within the organization currently or over the next five or six years. That's good. Mm. Is that too honest? No. no, Okay. Not for me. Great. Yeah, we're talking about uh, millennials. How do you lead them? How do you put up with them? Many Mm -hmm. of you have, have kids that are millennials probably. Some of you are millennials. Hopefully we got some of those young cats listening <laughs> and Lee you're you're talking about clarity yeah. which i think is so true in terms of not just for what you're doing in the organization but also yeah. what's next for you yeah and relying on those above you I, the interesting thing is the old days i would say of clarity many times weren't even spoken. Right. The fact that you bring that up mm-hmm. in a public forum yeah. is a sign that, that you think about these things differently. Where in the old days, if you were in your early 30s, you wouldn't even talk about that. Right. Because it was, hey, get in line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You wait on me to tell you exactly what we need from you. Right. Once you're 45 or so, we might put you in a place and of Brad, influence. I, I, Brad, I've heard those words. Yeah. I've heard even people say, you should probably be prepared for the next eight to 10 years of it being a bit awkward and just kind of around and impacting things where you can. I cannot tell you how incredibly frustrating that is. Right. Because then I go, I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels like I'm going nowhere. And this it's is a different, crazy. it's a different set of expectations yeah. for your generation to walk into late 20s, early 30s and say, I'm not demanding based on entitlement that I I know all the answers. I'm demanding it because I feel like there's more opportunities for me in life to make decisions that Mm -hmm. will not only control that, but also will make sure that I'm flourishing in every season. I'm not just waiting on second half for sure to have all the influence. Right. Where in the old days, I mean, it's the reason church planting became such a huge phenomenon in the last 20 years. Mm Those were a bunch of, I would say, stereotypically type A type leaders who said, I'm not willing to wait around. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to wait on senior pastor Jojo to hand it off 25 years from now. And I just sit here and, and basically twiddle my thumbs until that time. Yeah. Not because I don't love senior pastor or CEO or executive director, but I just feel like there's something for me in this season. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm going to go pursue that. And a lot of people looked at that who are older and said, oh, you guys are... You know, you're not willing to wait. Right. Not loyal, not willing to wait, all of that. So I think what I find myself doing now is I start these, like, side hustles because it keeps me going. So yes. I've got, you know, things I feel called to do. I really feel called to equip the church in lots of different areas. I just want the church to be better tomorrow than it is today. So I've got some stuff on the side that I'm just kind of growing on my own. But then there's a bit of guilt attached to it because I feel like, well, I feel like I could do this within my organization if there was some clarity and flexibility to let me do it. Now, I'm not saying this as it's like bad on my organization. The organization is great. I'm I'm happy. Right. But when I look at my own leadership development and path moving forward, that's where the breakdown is. Yeah. So I end up putting effort and energy into the skills I think I have in another area. And sometimes it's outside even the church because of it. So I, I think the takeaway for me on that, if you're talking to an older leader who has somebody on their team, likely, is you need to be part of the process of helping them shape their future, even if it means many times that they might go do something else. Yeah, the, yeah. the greatest value you can bring to a young leader on your team, many times, is that they don't come to you last. Right. They're not walking in your no, office going, hey, um, I just took another job. Yeah. They come to you first and they say, hey, I'm thinking about other things. Would you yeah. help me walk through this process? I think the other piece on this is that leaders have to understand millennials or maybe the first generation to be able to be publishers. 
at such a mass scale, yeah. right? So you have people inside of a church who are Instagram famous. Yeah. They post their little photography or their videos, whatever they're doing, hundreds of views. That's immediate feedback. That's immediate feedback in the comment sections. Yeah. They're growing platforms and audiences and then go to a church and get ignored. Right. Right. Or can't get any feedback on anything they're doing. Right. Or just well, get in line and... and Right. Fill your role, right? And here's an annual review. Yeah, yeah. Right. So work. what do you do? You know what I mean. What do you do when, on one hand, you're going, there seems to be this open field for me to nurture opportunity and possibilities, and you're just you're going for it. Nothing's stopping you, and you've got a lot of voices in culture going, hey, just go do it, right? Yeah. yeah and start then, your gig, right? Or and your gigs. then your hustle, and then you've got this other dynamic where it's the opposite. And and once again, we're we're having a conversation around this whole topic of how to lead millennials. If you are a millennial, how do you effectively lead up many times in the mm -hmm. organization? And if you're an older leader, how are you leading millennials? What are you finding out about your generation? Or again, younger leader, we can all talk about this, but what seems to be some of the things that are frustrating that we would say, if we could sit down with a bunch of 20 somethings, mm -hmm. we would say this to them very clearly. We would give this advice to them of don't stop doing these things. Hmm. And I've got one. I'll yeah. start. Yeah. It's the Zuckerberg effect, okay. which is if I don't conquer the world and change the world and start that new social innovation company or start the next Facebook or feel like that my dreams were uh, basically realized by the time I'm 29, then I feel like a failure. Hmm. And I think we have to give young leaders the permission in their 20s especially to work more on their who yeah. than yeah. necessarily working on their what. Yeah. And who, meaning both who you are internally and, yep. and the Love character that. and all the pieces that are deep roots, but also like who you're surrounding yourself with. As Bob Goff says, who's your eight that are going to carry your casket yep. when you're 75? Even though that feels weird and at 25, you know, those are your who questions, mm -hmm. who you're marrying, who your yeah. spouse is, who your best friends are. So if you're a young leader, you know, my advice is let the 20s be a time for you to nurture that. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about your what. Your what will take care of itself. And don't be at 28 so depressed because you had dreams at 21. Right. Yeah. Then now because of the gig economy we live in mm -hmm. and the opportunity yard where the grass is not green, <laughs> it's not just green, it's like zodiac green. Right. That can be a false reality yeah. for a lot of people who say, well, I'm 28 and I just feel like I didn't hit the goals I had, so I'm going to be depressed, and I'm going to live with anxiety, and I'm going to go back to the parents' basement and not willing to do anything. Yeah. Like, no, just keep striving. I mean, don't give up on those dreams. It might take 20 years to get there. Yeah. That's probably, we've got an office in our agency full of millennials. One of the things I feel like we go over and over again on one-on-one -on -one little mentor sessions is the idea that you are not your work. You can be brilliant, even if the work you're doing right now is not. <laughs> yeah. You know, in trying to help create a little bit of separation between identity and the work that you're doing, because you guys know a lot of times the work we're going to do, you have an idea, you put it out there, it's going to suck and you have to work it through and you have to have that resilience. So that really resonates with me, what you're saying, because I feel like every young millennial that we've t that we have in our office is wrestling through that right now. Yeah. yeah, I think along what you were saying, Brad, it's a bit about vulnerability also. So millennials, mm -hmm. they hate hype. They hate 
hate the raw raw you know overdoing everything and i also think that plays like they should double down on the vulnerability thing like finding your eight discovering who you are and the identity stuff like i wish i'd went to counseling way sooner now yeah. I'm married and I've got kids and I'm going, why didn't I do this five or six years ago? Mm-hmm. I wish I was able to talk about like clarity like I just did way sooner because that would have helped me that much quicker. Mm. So yeah. I think the millennials feel that and it's hard. The first time you start down that path, it feels a bit weird, but I think they should double down on it and do it sooner. That's good. Mm. That's good. And what what are you guys finding, CJ, with you know your office full of millennials? What are the things that you're tapping into in terms of being able to lead them well. Yeah. What are you finding that almost like, what are the hacks that you've been able to say, man, that really works when I want to motivate them or I need to inspire them or I need to get them really cranking on a project. What seems to be a, is it money? Is it time off? Is it, you know, what, what are those things? No, I mean, first off, I read a quote not too long ago. It was about a year and a half ago. It came across a Woodrow Wilson quote, I think. And he said, my job as a leader is to not only use my brains, but also leverage as many brains around me as possible or something along those Mm -hmm. lines. And I think that that's the shift is there's so much capabilities that can be added to my organization and I think to others as well when we start to tap into this group because they they understand how to research quicker they understand just mm-hmm. how to how to go access information and get things started right there's a lot of advantages there so the first thing was just that like how do I harness the collective knowledge of this group and let them do what they do to help bring value to our, our clients and to the organization the second thing is this mentorship piece a yeah, year and a huge. half ago, we started changing the way we did reviews. Like, I'm not bagging on the scorecard thing. I'm just saying the results within our organization have been dramatic, where we're sitting down more one-on-one. Let's talk about how you feel. And then I have to ask, tell me more, yep. because the presenting problem is never the real problem. Exactly. Right? And then we get to the real problem, and that uncovers all of this stuff that allows us to have some really honest conversation I don't need to talk about money usually. Like they're just more motivated about making an impact, about mattering, about understanding where we're going. So for me personally, the restructuring the way that we're doing our review and mentoring has been like hands down one of the most impactful for us. That's really helpful. Yeah, especially as it relates to lead. If you're a an older leader, again, don't lead the next generation like you were led. Right. Right. Because yeah. everything in us says, oh, I'm going to show them. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it starts early on, and then it continues for most of our lives. And we have to be the ones who break that cycle. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. We, there's a stat that says 35% of millennials who don't receive mentorship start looking for a job within 12 months. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So this is serious to them, you know? And if, if they don't get this sense, like you're going to help develop me professionally, then they're out. Now, yeah. I know that raises a ton of Yeah, how do, of I, how do, I, how do I be for, their boss along with yeah. also being their coach and their mentor? Right. You right. figure it out, and you're vulnerable about it. Yeah, and you don't say, well, when I was your age. <laughs> or nobody did this right. for me kind no, of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I understand that may be the reality, and to some degree, that was my reality. I didn't have someone just sitting with me every moment of the day, and that's not the, what they're asking for, but I didn't have someone kind of laying it all out. There's right. a lot of trial by fire there. So even though that's the case, 
it's not strategic or smart for me to be like, well, I didn't have that, so you shouldn't have that. I mean, yeah. what, what kind of model of leadership is that anyway? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lee, are you are you changing your one of the things you do at Bayside and with Lincoln Brewster? You are an artistic sort of visual enhancer. Yeah. A good way to describe sure. what you do. Mm-hmm. How how are you looking at creating experiences? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As it relates to a younger generation now. Yeah, that's a great question, and so that's what I'm losing sleep about. It's the hype thing, right? I think a millennial's radar for hype is, like, I don't think we fully understand what that means yet, especially, like, when you think about commercials and billboards and things like that. Millennials don't even see – when they do see them, they're not seeing them. So I feel like what are we doing when we program an event that – could send the same message. Mm. So uh, the easy one, it's like lighting and video. If you just, if your church service looks like a Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert while you're trying to sing a Bethel worship song, yeah. those aren't lining up. Yeah. I feel like they're wanting um, the worship experience, but they don't want the visual assault yeah. happening at the same time. That's where the hype radar goes off. So we're experimenting with what is it, if it's a six minute worship song, what happens if there's only two lighting cues? the whole time what if it's just one color Hmm. what if what they're looking at on screen isn't like an itunes visualizer it's a a picture of mountains describing god's beauty because that's what you're singing about so it's just asking those questions are you doing less uh imag on faces uh no in larger rooms i think it's still hard to not do that yeah i i have a personal preference that i think a lot of churches do imag and cameras just for the sake of doing them imag means image magnification not let's spend some money on cool cameras and projectors (laughs) hello yeah so right uh most churches don't need it if you want to put services on the web i get it but that doesn't mean you need 16 foot screens in a 300 seat room right so that's a bit of a soapbox can you tell yeah Um, well it's the it's the classic case of i go somewhere else yeah i go well we have to have those right Right. no would you argue that younger is actually stereotypically more interested in a smaller more uh intimate environment oh yeah i wouldn't even say younger i just think that's maybe culture in or just general culture now. in general I, yeah. yeah i wouldn't even like because my wife he's a, even she would rather go to a like we have six services at our largest campus she goes to the one with the least amount of people least traffic it's the easiest to park at bayside uh-huh that's well, about 600 how, people 600 yeah so that's one she prefers uh-huh yeah and that she could go the next morning and there's 2700 in the same room and the kids honestly prefer that too mm. like my mm. kids don't want to be in a room with 30 other five-year-olds like it's just madness for yeah. my kids so there's anything that else on the on the experience side like are you finding that the average what, what about gen z because you do a lot of stuff with youth yeah. as well are they different in what their felt needs are compared to millennials? I think it might be. It, it, like, the pendulum could swing completely yeah, again the other way. Yeah, if you just look at the types of music, clothing, and things that they're into, it's very EDM. It's very, hmm. um, it's more flashy, more flagrant types of things that they're into. If you just, if you're new to Snapchat and you, like, look at it and you roll through the filters and see stuff, it's like... It's just, you know, it's just crazy madness. Mm -hmm. But that's every 15-year-old. You know, that's what they're into. And they're listening to Martin Garrix. And they want to go to Ultra Fest in Miami. And they're 15 years old. And so so it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. But I also feel like some millennials were the same way when they were 15. Right. So I'm not sure. I don't know if that's just a state of being a teenager 
or if it is actually attributed to being a Z. Hmm. I don't know. Well, yeah. the, the the thing too that I'm noticing is the gap between a 18 year old and a 22 year old, or yeah. a 22 year old and a 26 year old, yeah. or a 26 year old and a 30 year old, yeah. is what used to be a 15 year gap. For meaning sure. that meaning that speed now is coming faster, quicker. Change is happening faster, quicker. So yeah. what what used to be a 12 to 15 year gap mm-hmm. is now a four year gap. Yeah. And it's going to even get shorter. Oh, yeah. So what we have to do as leaders, especially as it relates to programming and experiences and how we create different environments, you can't just say, well, this is good for all the young people. Oh, no. We have to say how old. And you you have to be really specific on the way you're crafting an environment for an 18 year old compared to a 25 year old, mm-hmm. maybe maybe look and feel completely different. For compared sure, to the totally old days, of, well, if they're under 40, just sort of make it. Well, college cool ministry hip. was for 18 to 30 year olds. Right. It right. isn't anymore. Now we have college, and then we have young adults, and then we have. Uh, we just started a new one. What's it called? Young business oh, young leaders. Professionals. Young professionals. Young professionals. Yeah. And there's a whole other group. And what we do for each one of those is completely different. Mm-hmm. Even the way when we're leading our own teams and we're having conflict with someone or if we're talking great about them, we'll say things like, oh, yeah, okay, 22-year-old, and we'll make decisions differently for a 26-year-old hmm. because, oh, well, he's 26, so it's they're yeah. different. Their needs are different. Their experiences are different. And I think that's part of the challenge is, like, there was a time with a certain generation where maybe we applied that industrial revolution complex right. to it where, hey, this pop this thing out, yeah, have right. this model, and yeah. it'll work for an entire Plug generation. It in anywhere. Right. Here's the thing. Millennials in particular, and I think it's going to be the same for Gen Z and everyone else, they're so tribal. Yeah. So they've got their little tribes, they've got their groups, they communicate a certain way using certain technologies. So you might find a group of millennials in downtown take to a very like super chill church experience. You can't assume that every millennial across the US would would respond to the same right. same kind of thing. So we've got to be way more open, we've got to be way more uh, human-centered, meaning just what are the needs, what are people going through, and kind of get back to some of those basics. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all for this whole generation. Yeah, I really I, don't. I any, any resources that you would recommend yeah, that our community checks out, the listeners, what can they look at? What, are there some books that come to mind? Are there some websites? Yeah. Any, anything that would help them sort of navigating this whole generational difference? I think older leaders are going to be really surprised if they really dig into this, especially church leaders. Like there's some podcasts out right now that are targeted towards millennial males, church leader, millennial males. And when you listen to the content of some of them, I think some people could be potentially offended at first, Mm -hmm. but it's worth taking a look at to figure out what does a 28 year old educated male, what's he after? Yeah. Because that's the future of your church. Right. So what's going to happen, you know? And I think it's going to shock some people. Hmm. Yeah, there's a great book out there called Generational IQ. I think it's just a great way, a book that just sets up a framework for how we think about change in any generation, whether it's this one or any of them that are coming. Um, The other thing I wanted to throw out there is, like, I think we have to become way more comfortable with being newbies. We were talking about this some time ago. And... 
I don't think we can talk about millennials or Gen Z without first going like leaders and organizations have to be comfortable being a perpetual newbie. From now on, we are all going to be newbies. Yeah, because innovations change. It's, it's changing. So the rate so of change fast. is so fast. Dude, yeah. you open your iPhone right now. It seems like every day I have apps now that need to get updated. There was a time when I first got my iPhone. I thought, okay, six months, nine months. Like I've I've got to update an app. Now it seems like every day updating is just a part of our life now. It's like digital hygiene. My point to all of that hmm. is going leaders that are not comfortable just being in that newbie seat, they're going to be so far behind because this is just how we are now. This is our culture. So I don't think we can start the conversation about millennials and Gen Z without people just going, how do we become more comfortable with this rate of change, et cetera? That's right. good. Well, and and I'll add in one piece of advice I would say is if, if, if you're 40, I'm 44, if you're, you know, 44 and above or 40 and above, mm -hmm. part of our role is mentoring, it's coaching, it's we're the aggregators now. We're not the bosses anymore. Nobody wants to be bossed. Right. Nobody wants to be managed. Right. Uh, yeah. We need to we need to lead. We need to influence people. We need For to inspire. Sure. But we're conductors now mm -hmm. instead of instead of like the dictator. Right. We, we have to be a conductor. So we've got to change our mindset. But part of my role has to be that I get around 25-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 17-year-olds and 27-year-olds, and I say, hey, help me understand how to lead you well. I have to do the research. I have to like actually be willing to step into those circles and ask really good questions and listen and take notes yeah. and be willing to say, I'm going to show up and do my own research project and be well aware and informed on how. And the best way for you on your team, if you're listening to this and you're an older leader and you have a bunch of 20-somethings on your team, go ask them. Yes, for sure. Just ask them. Don't get a bunch of the old fogies in the boardroom mm -hmm. and start talking about how are we going to lead the next generation. Totally agree. Invite them into that conversation. Yeah. Make them part of yeah. the process. There's no elaborate retreat that no. needs to get planned. There's no agenda. Take $4, buy them a coffee, and ask them that question. There you go. And you're, and you're done. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And you'll not only learn, but you'll also gain major equity yes. in actually leading them. Yes. So it's it's a double whammy on the value that you're going to get. Yeah. So, guys, any last-minute thoughts from either of you before we wrap up? All I would say is I think there's a tremendous opportunity here for churches, for businesses in particular. If millennials are running multi-billion-dollar companies, they can serve in your church. They can hold positions in your church. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I guess that's all I would say, Brian. That's good. Yeah. I would say I'm a 32-year-old millennial. Lead me. Hmm. Bring it. I'm ready. Don't boss you. Don't manage you. Don't manage me. I don't <laughs> want to be managed. That's the thing I th the rub could be. Like, well, they don't want to follow rules, and they don't want to show up at 9 o'clock, and they're always late. I think the way you look at your organization in some ways, are, it's going to have to change. Yeah. That's good. And if, for any of you who are listening to this, uh, you have questions, hopefully we have some answers for you. So email CJ. Yes. He's just waiting on your email. He wants his inbox full, chock full right. of emails from you from all over the country, whether you're listening in Boston or mm -hmm. you're in Atlanta yep. or you're in Hope, Arkansas, like Rick, right, or you're yeah. in Red Dirt, <laughs> Iowa, or you're in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Could Canada. anyone be from like... 
San Francisco, California? We or? hope so. Raise your hand if you're from San Francisco. One guy. We got one guy in the room right now. That's good. CJ. Yes. Can they sign him up for like Bed Bath & Beyond mailing list? Oh, no question. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. Wow. Yes. But email us. Email us. <laughs> let us know your question. We'll try to answer it, whether we answer it on the next episode mm-hmm. or other episodes, or we just email you back. Because right. we know this is a, a, a tricky conversation. Yeah. It's something we all got to lean into as leaders. It's something the church has to lean into. But we appreciate you letting us banter and rant and hopefully give you a few practical pieces of uh, applicational, evidential, sustainable, helpful advice. That's what we're going after here. So you probably have lots of things you're writing down or you think you need to have a conversation with your team about on this topic. We'd love to hear from you. So hit us up, email us. As always, go to thrivecommerce.org. Mm-hmm. Check out all the information there, the links, the great articles, other podcast episodes from the past, Thrive Leadership Podcast, This Is Us. Yeah. And uh, we thank you for listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. As we sign off, we're going to let Lee give us a great sign-off. You can stick with the one you had last time, Lee. Yeah, or, I got you. Or you can go with a brand new one. I'm going with the same one. Find your prairie dogs. Find your prairie dogs, leaders. That's the goal. It's money. That's the heartbeat. This mm-hmm. is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. The Thrive Leadership Podcast is hosted by CJ Alvarado and Brad Lominick and is produced by Kip Johns. To download and share this and other Thrive podcasts, go to thriveconference.org.